school football in Arizona. My parents came out to watch me as I made tackles and sacked quarterbacks and had success becoming the first legless athlete in the history of Arizona. So I said, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to try to take it to the next sport. So I tried wrestling, and I got really good at it. And I got to beat you leggies. I call you guys with legs leggies. And I had the advantage. And you can see my WWE moves here where I would get a guy thinking he had lulled me into sticking me, and then I would flip over and make a magical sticking motion, and boom, he was gone. So again, I had successes in sports, and I said, well, this is pretty easy. Maybe I should try baseball, the hardest sport to play. You have to hit a ball with a bat. I ran on my arms. I hit just like everybody else, and I was in the starting lineup as a freshman in the outfield. And when you're playing outfield, you have to catch the balls. There's no books for dummies without legs, so you got to learn how to catch balls. And because of those successes, it gave me opportunities that no one has ever had, including going to Augsburg University of Minnesota and becoming the very first and only legless athlete in the history of NCAA college football sports. But you know what? It didn't end there. Thank you. It led to a trial with the Dallas Cowboys. So if you hate the Cowboys, we'll just get through this little segment. But uh, I had that opportunity for one day to try out just like every other athlete. Now, my time wasn't as fast, and obviously I didn't make the team, but just that chance to do something that nobody had ever done before in the history of professional sports. Did I also mention that there is one person that has only played professional sports at the baseball level? That's me starting at second base for the St. Paul Saints in 1996, the only legless athlete ever to play minor league baseball. I started a game. I was in the outfield with my old buddy, Daryl Strawberry, as you can see up there as he made his way back to the big leagues. I had Jack Boris on the mound, and it was a dream come true, taking batting tips from Daryl, being in that starting lineup. When you look and the lineup doesn't say it's a guy without legs, it says Dave Stevens, the starting second baseman and leading off. But I got back to my normal career, and I spent 37 years in TV, 20 years at ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports just up the road, with Chris Berman and all those guys, seven Emmy Awards, but I still get to continue to do what I love the most, and that's play sports and showcase my life. I have opportunities to work out with minor league teams like the Hartford Yard Goats and put on baseball camps and clinics. I've had the opportunity to play at Lambeau Field before 70,000 people in a flag football game. Again, a dream come true for this little legless kid from Wickenburg, Arizona. But it's not anything that you guys don't have inside. It's led to opportunities for me to interview some of the biggest stars in sports, like Aaron Rodgers. It's given me those chances that nobody has ever had with a disability to meet a guy like J.B. Smooth at the Super Bowl. And he says, Dave, get down and start dancing with me. So when J.B. Smooth says, get down and dance with you, you, get dance, you dance with him. And when you're at media day with 5,000 people looking at you like an old man looking silly, you know, it really is not as embarrassing when you realize JB has accepted you. But I get to travel around the world and you get to see me doing things that most people with handicaps don't get to do. Reporting live from sporting events and hopefully we get back to doing those kind of things again. Interviewing and having relationships with some of the greatest athletes out there that respect me and take me for me. They don't judge me on my disability, they judge me on my ability. And when people like Mike Trout and superstars tell them that they're impressed by you and that they want to meet you and talk to you, it's very humbling. 
when a guy like Gronk sends you an autographed photo after you do an interview with him and says he wants to stay in touch, it truly touches someone. I'm at Quinnipiac University and I'm teaching media. We have things that are helping the world and it's setting the stages for my three sons who I love so much, the most important things in my life. I value being a dad more than I do being an athlete and a speaker and it gives me an opportunity to show them that their dad is just as normal as any dad or mother in the United States. So welcome everybody. Our guest today is 55-year-old Dave Stevens, an athlete, seven-time Emmy-winning sports broadcaster, and the only athlete to play college football and minor league baseball with no legs. He was born without legs and given up for adoption early in his life. Dave stands just three foot two and runs using his hands. He played varsity football, wrestling, and baseball at Augsburg College in Minnesota, and once even pinch hit for his teammate, Daryl Strawberry, with the St. Paul Saints in 1996. He spent 20 years at ESPN as an assignment and content editor. He covered 11 Super Bowls, three World Series, three NCAA tournaments, uh, and just other historic events. He's a founding producer of the Ability Media Group at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. Dave Stevens, what a pleasure to have you with wow. us today. After an intro like that, I thought God was coming down or something <laughs> like that. So thank you very much, Jim. Uh, it's very humbling to hear your resume. But again, you know, the what you describe is not what people would describe as someone with a handicap or a disability. And that's kind of what I've been trying to show people in life that, you know, you get you, you do with the best you got with what you got. Well, you have been such an inspiration for so many people. And one of the things that comes across when you watch video, like we just watched, or you see other things is that you have a tremendous drive to tackle things that many people would find daunting. What, what drives you to, to do that? I think it's just, it's always been the unexpected people just they look at someone and you judge that book by its cover and you say here's this little kid with no legs he's got no future he's got nothing what a poor life he's going to have and I said no I want to play sports just like my friends and I started playing football and baseball and basketball and volleyball and you know it, it became yeah tell me I can't do something and that's my drive and so that's kind of been my mantra is like there's no can't there's no no there's not that I won't it's it's either try and fail or succeed and so luckily my successes have been a lot more than my failures that people don't see because there was no book how to play sports for legless dummies you know I didn't you know I my coaches had to figure out ways I had to figure out ways and then all of those things you know I turned my disability into my ability and it led to being on that's incredible and college and sports and things so you know I, I'm just blessed that I was able to do the things I did with two amazing adoptive parents that raised me and instilled in me to just be my normal. You certainly have done that. And, and then you parlayed a, a really remarkable, you know, varsity sports career in college. And you moved on to ESPN. Was that just like a natural progression for you, your love of sports? And now I, you know, I'm not going to compete anymore at a college level. Uh, so I'm going to, stay involved in sports but I'm going to do it at ESPN you know like I said I've been very lucky along the way to get these opportunities and 
you know, I had two things, you know, you can Google Dave Stevens on that's incredible. And there were two things I said in 1981, I wanted to be a professional baseball player and I wanted to work in television and replace Howard Cosell, you know, and there was no ESPN in those days and there wasn't all these things. And people just looked and said, how can a little kid play pro baseball without legs and how could he be on TV? But as I said, the ones that say no are always the ones that drive me. So I just started love the love of both. And it really kind of turned into one and the other. I got a job at a local TV station in Minnesota, got to work with the Minnesota twins in the 91 and, and 87 world series and got that. And then I started doing interviews for my station when ESPN would pay 250 bucks and say, Hey, go interview Kirby Puckett, go interview uh, Herschel Walker, go interview these athletes. And they're like, you're doing amazing interviews. Would you like to work at ESPN? And so I'm like, Okay, duh. And in 1995, I moved to, you know, from Minnesota to Connecticut, and I've been here for 26 years. And it was just a, a great experience to be at that worldwide leader, to be with Chris Berman, have him give me a nickname, you know, all these things that you see on TV, I got to be a part of. And it was just an amazing experience. Just one of those things where, you know, I don't like to offend people, but if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, I've lived a Forrest Gimp life. You know, I've, as you said, pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry. I've tried out for the Cowboys. I played football in Ireland and New Zealand. You know, I just played charity softball game in the Texas Rangers stadium. I played football before 70,000 people in Lambeau field. And I don't even believe these things, you know, so it just shows you with, you know, determination and work and, and love, you know, you can overcome pretty much anything. Well, you, you have lived an extraordinary life and, but, but the, in fairness, you've overcome a lot of obstacles. And I'm wondering if when you overcame those obstacles as an athlete, I'm sure you had s similar obstacles in broadcasting. There had to be accommodations made or things like that. Did that prepare you when you were in college for what you would come up against when you were trying to break into broadcasting? I mean, it, it's been a real tough start to finish, you know, and I wanted to be on air young and I didn't get that and then I got to ESPN and stayed behind the scenes and now that I'm 55 I am doing the interviews and talking to the biggest names and the funny part is the leagues embrace me more now without the legs because in old days I wore artificial legs and I had to be level with everyone and I had to climb 80 or 90 or 500 stairs up and down to the dugouts to get the you know locker rooms but I didn't bitch and I didn't complain because that's not my fight you know I'm an advocate for rights, but I'm not an advocate to go, hey, fix this just for me. You know, we need to fix things for other people. And if I'm able to get around it, I'm lucky that I can do that. But it helped me because, you know, there aren't disabled people in this business. There's very few, you know, and if they are, they're not seen. They're behind a desk. They're, you know, I'm very visual. You you see me right away that I don't have legs and, and I get these athletes to get on their butt and get on the ground and they open up, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Gronkowski, uh, JB Smoove at the Super Bowl. And then you get these relationships where I can text them and call them and talk to them. And, and they look at me, not as media, but as a friend. And so I've built really good relationships over the years. But now at 55, the doors that I get to open here at Quinnipiac University uh, with the camp I'm working at and teaching kids and putting on football camps and sports camps for disabled kids, like, you know, I'm just trying to pay it back. So they have opportunities that I didn't have. I mean, it's, it's like you see these kids and they come in. I think the biggest tangible thing I wish I could give them was courage. 
you know, to go in that world, that cruel world where they're going to make fun of them for a learning disability or a lisp or a walk or a color or a religious belief or anything like that. And if I can, you know, show them that, hey, if they're going to stare at me, I'm going to give them a hell of a show, you know. So get that confidence that I can be on TV. I can be a writer. I can be a producer and take that into the real world where people will judge you. You know, it took me a long time to get that respect at ESPN because was I that token handicapped person out of 5,000 people? And then, you know, do my managers judge me? Well, he doesn't have legs, so we'll go easier around him. Or, you know, how do I move up that food chain and ladder where I became a manager and I had to manage people and my boss has no legs. Is that weird? Am I uncomfortable? You know, all these things that people don't think about. So with these kids and this program and this project at Quinnipiac, I'm, I'm so blessed that I could teach them TV and insight and interviewing skills that I'm working on today, you know. Well, you know, the thing that's great is that you have you have a remarkable family. And and I think that that's probably your greatest accomplishment. Can you just talk about your three? You have three boys. Right. And and what it's like for them to be able to watch their dad have the success in his life. Well, it is my greatest accomplishment. I mean, you know, when you are born with a disability and even though it's not hereditary, you don't want your kid to have, you know, the strike marks that I had. So when you see that they've got legs, you're like, Phew, okay, we're past that point. And then, you know, for me to adapt as a father and deal with carriages and things and strollers and getting them in and out of beds and being that home, stay at home dad while my wife worked during the day and I worked at night, you know, it, I wouldn't trade those moments for anything, but it also instilled in my kids, you know, to, help me help them. And so they learn to walk a little quicker. They learn to hand me diapers and do things that, you know, maybe some kids wouldn't do at that age. And then when we're out in public and people stare at us, they, they see it, they hear it, but we, we all embrace it as a joke. What's the craziest thing someone said? What did they do? Oh, dad, look how that kid reacted, you know? And we just joke about it. We, we, you know, we talk about it. And then you come full circle when my son is 17 years old, and we're in a Target parking lot, and I'm like, hey, Brady, do you see any of the gimp spots? I said that. Brady, that word, my, my son Brady's like, Dad, that word is offensive. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, I don't see it. I don't realize it. So I learn from them. They learn from me. They look at me as just a normal dad, and I think they're proud of my accomplishments, but they never brag about it. They never tell people, oh, yeah, my dad was with Mike Trout or Otani or doing this. You know, they reap the benefits when they go along with me on these things, but they're just so well leveled. And, and I'm so proud of, you know, that they have more goals. You know, my son wants to be GM of the Phillies. How do you tell your kid that your dreams was to play, foot, you know, Major League Baseball and, and be in TV and you had no legs? So it's like, all right, Brady, what can we do to make you succeed? You know, so those are the things that parenthood has really, really brought to me the greatest gifts of my life. And you've done that. And I give you so much credit for how you have engaged your own boys to, you know, be motivated to be better people. And so, you know, my credit to you for, for doing that. And I guess it, it kind of leads into your involvement with the Ability Media Group now at Quinnipiac. You know, it's it's that's that's an extension of your family, is it not? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how Ability Media Group came about and what you're hoping to accomplish with that. Yeah, I mean, you're right on, Jim. You talked about earlier, we are the minorities of the biggest 
you know, silent group of all. And we are silent because nobody hears our voice. They're either too freaked out or don't want to deal with it or, you know, feel, okay, we can help you and just pity you. But, you know, we need our voices heard, you know, and when I say our voices, you know, anybody with a learning disability, a mental disability, a, a heart condition, you know, they just lump us all together and call us handicapped or disabled. Now, I hate those words and terms, but we live in a society where that's what we are called. And we haven't banded together. We don't have a voice. We're like the veterans where there's this group that helps and this group that helps. And I've always been like, why can't all the groups bond together and help our veterans and have, you know, give out dogs and give jobs and do all that kind of stuff. And so Ability Media is kind of a hodgepodge. Uh, Dean Chris Roush here at the uh, university saw me doing my little uh, internet podcast uh, webcast with Jim Abbott and Daryl Strawberry. And he's like, we got to get this guy in here and, and help motivate these kids. So we've created this program that is by students with disabilities or non-disabilities. We'll take you leggies. We'll take anybody with some, you know, and just let them experience our world through our eyes and through the outside and let them see, um, you know, stories about overcoming adversity or stories about lack of job inter- you know, opportunities or a law that's passed that could be discriminatory or a restaurant that refuses to fix their stairs or serve people uh, and make accommodations. So Ability Media was put together to create programming, content, job opportunities. And we're not there yet because we're so small, but we've got the students doing it, which led to this summer program for high school students to learn TV. And we just we just need somebody to write a check and, and put it to good use that we can really you know, start to pay back and get jobs in writing and producing and, and all of these, you know, jobs that are thought of as just, you know, able-bodied roles. Well, I, I must say you have contributed in ways that you probably have never even considered. And you are an inspiration. You're an inspiration to everyone, but especially to kids that are going through a little bit of a tough time right now, as many of the kids that are going to watch this are. And I want to just say on behalf of all of them, thank you I know that every day can't be rosy and smiling and and upbeat, but you project that out to the world. And and that's a great credit to you. And it's a great inspiration to anybody that might be going through a little bit of a tough time that, you know what, wake up tomorrow, try to get a little bit better. Always, Jim, there's always somebody out there that has it worse off than you and you should appreciate what you have. And you know what, I'm not perfect. And not having legs, sometimes I wake up and I put my pants on backwards. That's just a trick of the trade sometimes. And midday, you figure it out. But you know what? You move on with your day. You smile and you go, okay, how stupid am I? You know, you have to laugh at yourself sometimes. So if those kids can just keep smiling, keep fighting, and know that you know every fight is a winnable battle. Thank you.